Napa know-how. Just in time for the holidays, select Craftsman tools are now available at Napa. Celebrate with a Craftsman 20-volt cordless impact wrench kit for just $149.99. It's the perfect gift for everyone in your list, even you. So get great savings on select Craftsman tools, now available at your local Napa store. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores, while supplies last. Offer ends 12-31-19. From the host of the Geeky Retro Nerd Show podcast, the only podcast to be named by Mr. Mark Hamill himself, this is Journals of the Jedi, a Star Wars podcast. Hello, how are you doing? Welcome to Journals of the Jedi. My name is Adam, host of the Geeky Retro Nerd Show, and I am extremely, extremely honoured by your presence. And if you're looking for any Star Wars merchandise or any geeky or retro t-shirts or gifts, head on over to truffleshuffle.com where you will find all those things and more. And if you use my exclusive discount code of GRN. S15, that's GRNS15, you will get a discount of 15% if you spend £25 or more, and it's international shipping, so everybody can get involved. So there you go, can't can't ask for fairer than that. Thanks for continuing to listen to these episodes, they're proven really, really popular, and we are continuing to look, or I am continuing to look at each year in the history of Star Wars, and every single year is packed out of things going on in the Star Wars world. It's absolutely fascinating. And as always, I'm aided by this fantastic uh, book, Star Wars Year by Year, A Visual History, um, which I use uh, mostly for researching these episodes because it's such a fantastic book. It's chock-a-block full of facts and figures and lovely, lovely photographs. I like a book with pictures in. <laughs> Keeps us interested. Um, so, as always on these episodes, we are going to start by looking at the top grossing movies from this year, which is 1979. So these are the top grossing movies in the US, as always. And at number 10, got a fantastic movie in the shape of the Muppet movie which grows 65000 uh, $65, Then at number nine, we have got James Bond's Moonraker, which grows just over $70 million. Uh, now, Moonraker is an interesting one, and it's linked to Star Wars in a way, because at the end of the previous film, James Bond film to Moonraker, The Spy Who Loved Me, which was released in 1977, it said, James Bond will return in For Your Eyes Only. But he didn't return in For Your Eyes Only. He returned in Moonraker. They changed it around. They brought Moonraker forward and they pushed For Your Eyes Only back. Why did they do that? Well, 
Moonraker has a bit of a sci-fi edge to it, doesn't it? Going up into um, space and in the in the uh, space shuttles and all that. The, the producers wanted to cash in on the popularity of Star Wars. And, you know, this boom after Star Wars had come out in 1977 of these uh, space opera sci-fi movies. So they brought Moonraker forward and it was the number nine highest grossing movie um, of that year. Number eight, excellent comedy with Steve Martin, The Jerk. Have you seen that film? <laughs> it's absolutely hilarious. That grossed um, over $73 million. At number seven is 10. At um, the thick end of $75 million. At number six is an absolute classic. Classic film. Alien. Nearly, nearly $81 million. Number five, Star Trek, the motion picture, which was just shy of $82.5 million. Number four, Apocalypse Now, $83 million. Number three, Rocky Two. Brilliant film. Love Rocky 2. Love all the Rockies, apart from, what was it, Rocky 6, I think it was? Rocky Rocky 5, the street fighting one. That was that was silly, that one. Apart from that one, I love all the Rockies. At number two is the Amityville Horror at nearly $86.5 million. And at number one, have a think about it, and I'll tell you later on in the show. So what was happening on the music scene in 1979? Let's have a look at the top-selling UK singles of this year. Here we go. Number 10, One Day at a Time, Lena Martel. 9, Sunday Girl, Blondie. 8, Dance Away, Roxy Music. 7, Our Friends Electric, Tubeway Army. 6, I Will Survive, Gloria Gaynor. 5, When You're In Love With A Beautiful Woman, Dr. Hook. Four, I don't like Mondays, the Boomtown Rats. Three, we don't talk anymore, Cliff Richard. Two, Heart of Glass, Blondie again. And number one, Bright Eyes, Art Garfunkel. So a big year then for movies and music, but what was going on particularly with Star Wars, well, I'm about to tell you. So as uh, I have absolutely no doubt that you already know that in 1979, the big news of this year was the, the production of um, Empire Strikes Back. And one of the main challenges during the production of this movie was one of the new characters. And that new character was Yoda. And it was a challenge because he's less than 91 centimetres or three feet tall. <laughs> and briefly considered options included using a monkey. Uh, I'm not sure about that. A little person, a child wearing prosthetic makeup. Imagine getting a child to do what you want them to do for <laughs> Yoda. Um, or a, a, a stop motion puppet, of course. Ah, that, I think that would have looked terrible, wouldn't it? That would have looked bad. Um, anyway, Joe Johnston and Ralph McQuarrie produced numerous designs for Yoda before Lucas asks makeup artist Stuart Freeborn to have a go, in inverted commas, at designing the character. And Freeborn draws inspiration from a photo of Albert Einstein and also his own face to sculpt a head for a hand puppet. So there you go, Yoda has uh, <laughs> was designed after Albert Einstein. And you can see it, can't you? 
I can definitely see Albert Einstein in Yoda. There's definitely a similarity there. Um, Lucas, and Lucas enthusiastically approves Freeborn's design for Yoda, and the engineering begins on the complicated mechanisms needed to operate the puppet's facial muscles and eyes. Now, as a kid watching Empire Strikes Back, you don't really, or I didn't really appreciate... You know, you watch things like Empire Strikes Back, the Muppets, all that kind of stuff. Never really appreciated the work that went into making these characters so believable. Because if Yoda wasn't believable, the whole thing would have went pear-shaped. Viewers wouldn't have been buying it. Um, seeking a puppeteer for Yoda and advice on how to build an animatronic puppet, Lucas consults Muppets creator Jim Henson. What a wise move. What a wise move. Who recommends Frank Oz. Oz is already famous for his performances as, as Cookie Monster. <laughs> Love the Cookie Monster. Miss Piggy and Fozzy Bear. Ultimately, operating Yoda will require not only Oz, but three assistants. Now, the size of Yoda is tiny. I've just said he's less than three feet tall. Um, but they needed Oz and three assistants to control Yoda. That that is incredible, isn't it? And and the work pays off, doesn't it? Because when I watched Empire Strikes Back as a kid, Yoda was a big, big draw in the movie for me. They absolutely nailed it. They got him so so right. Frank Oz and whoever else was um, assisting him in the the operation of Yoda absolutely nailed it. Great job. So in January and February of 1979, the, the big sort of events in those two months was the release of issue 23 and issue 24 of the Star Wars comic. And on January the 23rd, issue 23 was released and the big news in that one was it, it featured a kiss between Luke and Leia. Now obviously we don't know and the comics creators and illustrators and whoever else was involved with the comic did not know what the future held for Luke and Leia. Obviously, now we know they were siblings. Um, but this comic featured the first kiss between the two. Since um, the Battle of Yavin, really, there was, a, there was a sort of brief kiss at the Battle of Yavin. Um, but there's a full-on kiss, and there's an illustration of it here in the comic, which is interesting. <laughs> and issue 24 was released on February the 27th. And that comic featured a flashback story about Obi-Wan Kenobi when he was a Jedi Knight serving the Republic. During uh, a peacetime mission before the Empire, Kenobi beats Bail Organa's, meets Bail Organa's droid 68RKO, who addresses the Jedi as General Obi-Wan Kenobi. So the two comics there in January and February, but in March, on March the 5th to be exact, Principal photography on Empire Strikes Back begins. And I bet Irwin Kirshner was um Irwin Kirshner was um breaking it. I bet he was breaking it. How do you follow up the biggest movie of all time? There's got to be some nervousness there, hasn't there? There's got to be. There's got to be some dread. What if I mess this up? Well, Irvin, you didn't mess it up, mate. Um you absolutely nailed it because um uh, Empire Strikes Back 
is brilliant. It not only is it a good film, it's a good sequel. It's a great sequel, and it's a it's a it's a it's a masterpiece. I call it a masterpiece. You know, the director and the crew and the writers got it spot on. But anyway, <laughs> rambling on. The the principal photography started with a ten day shoot in Fins, Norway. And I was a bit disappointed actually in the book here because it doesn't really elaborate on the shooting of the movie, um, which was a little bit disappointing. I don't expect I didn't expect to go into great detail, but I wanted a little bit more. But it only wets me whistle in this book, so I did I did a little bit more research, and this is what I found. And it's really interesting because just like with Star Wars before, it was decided to start shooting for Empire Strikes Back on uh, location. But as I said before, it was in Fins, Norway, and that was to double as the ice planet Hoth. And and Fins is just a small town in Norway. Um, But most likely due to the newfound popularity for Star Wars and its upcoming sequel, they held a press conference in Oslo on February the 29th, 1979. And in that press conference, it was revealed that shooting would start the next Monday, March the 5th. 1979 um, and um, that Harrison Ford would fly over later on because his scenes were scheduled for the second week of shooting and that Carrie Fisher wanted to come even though she didn't have any exterior scenes on Hoth she was desperate to get over because she couldn't bear to miss the location atmosphere and I suppose that's fair enough isn't it even though she had no exterior shots um, she was she was dying to get over. Just get get the gang together. Wise move. So over the next two days, the cast and crew left Oslo um, in stages. But just like with Tunisia on the previous film, not everything went smoothly, and I'm not surprised. Um, there were not enough porters to carry all the luggage from hotel to bus to train. Um, but I suppose that was the least of their problems. Uh, when the luggage itself was way more than expected. Partially in thanks to Mark and Mary Lou Hamill, who were packing extra luggage with them just in case their son Nathan would be born prematurely in the remote shooting location. And this is this is why I wanted to talk about this on this episode, because it's really interesting, isn't it? The <laughs> Mark and Mary Lou um, brought extra luggage just in case their son Nathan was born. Brilliant. Um, also, the cast and crew stood waiting on the wrong track for the Oslo-Bergen express train, causing them to have to run quickly to the right track when they found out. So, it's all going... <laughs> it's against them before they even start. Uh, however, March the 5th, ever since arriving in Fins, the weather had gotten even worse. And I suppose this is the gamble, isn't it, when you're, when you're filming somewhere like Fins in Norway. Um uh, and, and reaching the point that over the previous weekend, multiple avalanches had occurred, causing train tunnels to be blocked completely by the snow, in a sense trapping the cast and crew from the outside world. That cut off. <laughs> totally cut off. At the location itself, they found that the resulting whiteouts from the heavy snowfall also made it impossible to travel along the glacier to the two base camps where they had prepared to shoot scenes like the battlefield. Not that it mattered, because the carefully excavated trenches had become completely filled again. 
due to the heavy snowfall. So they couldn't use her anyway because <laughs> they'd been filled with snow. Oh, dear me. Um, despite his best preparations, Irvin Kirshner, the new director, taking over from Lucas, of course, discovered that the extreme cold caused many more problems from the difficulty in making notes by pen and paper with gloves because his tape recorder would freeze up immediately. Oh, dear. Um, to cameras that had lenses that would fog up or not work at all, it was clear that Lucas's advice to not expect everything to work would become prophetic. However, determined not to let the production run over schedule, Kirshner decided to start filming from the back of the hotel, calling up on Mark Hamill to be working this day for his scenes in which he, ex he escapes from the Wampa and staggers on the planets of Hoth. Now, it's amazing, isn't it? When you're watching that scene on the movie, it just seems totally remote. But when you find out that they're filming it out the back of the hotel, <laughs> I, I, just, I just want the camera to turn around, you know, from that scene of Luke on the Wampa, just turning around and, and showing the camera, uh, the hotel behind them. Um, Kirshner also puts Dennis Lawson, who was Wedge, Peter Mayhew, Chewbacca, and Des Webb, who played the Wampa, on the call list, but they end, up, they end up not actually filming that day. Another important decision that Kirshner took to not further delay shooting was to call for Harrison Ford to come over so that they could film his scenes starting the following day. So after making some phone calls, Ford was able to catch an afternoon flight from London to Oslo. However... By the time he'd arrived in Oslo, Oslo, dear me, three avalanches had occurred, cutting Fince not only off by rail, but also by any other means of transport, other than a big and slow-going snowplow. Wow. Ford managed to take the train to Gilo, a ski resort 30 miles from Fince, from where he took two cabs, bringing him another seven miles closer. He's edging closer, edging closer. Um, to another town, which I can't pronounce, Ostauset, where production manager Bjorn Jacobson found him with the snowplow, bringing a bottle of vodka with him that they shared on the drive back. Tut, tut, tut. Don't drink and drive, kids. And adults. <laughs> it would be close to midnight when they arrived with the snowplow back in Fins ready to start filming the next day. So, wow. Wow, wow, wow. I mean, the, the director and the crew and the cast and everybody must have been um, dreading it, thinking, what the hell can go wrong next? You know, cut off, avalanches, having to change around the shooting schedule, <laughs> calling in Harrison Ford to shoot his scenes earlier. Oh, man, what a start to the shooting of probably the greatest film ever made. Now, I'm just going to take a quick breather just to let you know that this show and Geeky Retro Nerd Show podcast is available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, most uh, podcast catchers. However, it's also available on a free app on Apple and Android called PodCoin, which pays you to listen to podcasts. So the more you listen, the more you earn. And when you earn the credits, you can convert them into vouchers for places like Amazon and Starbucks. Or you can donate what you've earned to charity. So like I say, it's a free app, 
go and download it on the iTunes store or on the Android um, Google store and start listening and start getting rewarded. So on to April 1979, and on April the 1st, April Fool's Day, uh, the first Han Solo novel is uh, published, which is titled Han Solo at Star's End, and it's by Brian Daly, and it was published by Del Rey. And it says in the book here, because editorial constraints require the Han Solo and Chewbacca, Chewie's in it as well, adventure to be set before the the events of the first Star Wars movie, but without any other principal characters or interaction with the Empire, Daly sends the smuggling duo to a new region of space, the corporate sector. Now, I haven't read this one, but I've, I've heard good things about it. But I suppose his hands were tied a little bit, um, you know, with the, with the, the contractual um, constraints, editorial constraints. But he's... The good thing, I suppose, is that he's he's expanded the universe, explored new places and new opportunities. Um, so that was April, April the 1st. Uh, in May, May the 18th, Hanover Street is released. I haven't seen this. It's directed by Peter Hyams and stars Harrison Ford. Um, but interestingly, the film also features William Hootkins. Now, who's William Hootkins? Do you know who that is? He's in Star Wars and he played Porkins rest in peace um, <laughs> and actor John Ratzenberger as well who plays Major Derlin in Empire as well so there you go um, in June sad news in June uh, John Barry production designer uh, who was just 48, uh, 43 years old sorry dies from a rare form of infectious meningitis uh, uh, after collapsing on the set of Empire and his death absolutely stuns everyone and that was on June the 1st um, June the 26th issue 28 of the Star Wars comic is published and in whatever happens to Jabba the Hutt Han and Chewie once again confront the alien gangster named Jabba who has placed a bounty on Han for failure to pay a debt Han winds up rescuing Jabba, who agrees to call off the bounty. Now, that would have been interesting, wouldn't it, in the films? That sounds pretty cool. So I just want to take a quick break just to tell you about a brand new app. Well, it's not brand new. It's been out a little while now, but it's still relatively new. And it's called Podcoin. And it's a free app. It's available on Apple and Android. So go and download it now because my show is available on most podcast apps. However, Podcoin is very unique and different because... When you listen to my show and other shows on Podcoin, you uh, earn while you listen. So the more you listen, the more you earn, and you can convert those points that you accumulate into uh, vouchers for Starbucks or Amazon, or you can convert it and donate it to charity. And I got an email from them the other day. They've donated thousands and thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands to um, charity. So it's really good. Check it out. Like I say, it's available on iTunes and Android. And I like to look after my listeners. I want to make sure you're benefiting because <laughs> I'm not aware of any other app that does this. So Go to your Android or Apple store, download PodCoin, and start listening. So back in 1979 in the history of Star Wars, then, in August was a cracking month in 1979 because there was a second, yes, a second re-release of Star Wars 
in the cinemas. But what made it even better this time is it included a trailer for The Empire Strikes Back. So we're really we're really warming up to the new movie coming now. There's a trailer for The Empire Strikes Back during this re-release. And, and I'm going to play it for you here. You might recognise the narrator of this trailer and you decide for yourself whether he's playing this serious or playing it for laughs. Here we go. Luke Skywalker and Han Solo rescued the princess, destroyed the Death Star, but their story didn't end there. Now, the creators of the biggest smash hit of all time bring you the next episode in the Star Wars saga, The Empire Strikes Back. continuing story of our band of heroes, Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, Han Solo, C-3PO, R2-D2, and Chewbacca. And introducing Lando Calrissian. It's an epic of romance. Of heroes and villains. They cross trackless voids to unknown worlds. A galactic odyssey against oppression. Big, new, sprawling space adventure in the Star Wars saga, The Empire Strikes Back. Coming to your galaxy next summer. So if you didn't already know, do you know, do you guess who it was? It was, of course, uh, Harrison Ford. <laughs> and it, I, I laugh every time I listen to that or watch that because I, I, I kind of take him seriously. And that, I, I think it sounds like he's taking the piss a little bit. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, yeah, it was Harrison Ford, and there was a bit of a discussion about that on Twitter a little while ago, actually. A lot of people didn't realise it was Harrison Ford, so there you go. Uh, something interesting in the trailer, actually, is uh, it includes the scene um, on Hoth, where um, they're trying to flee the Empire invading the Rebel base, and C-3PO rips off the, um, the danger sign on the door, for the um, snowtroopers to go in and be attacked by the Wampas, but of course that wasn't actually included in the movie later on. So there might have been a few, <laughs> a few unhappy viewers, um, wanting to, demanding to know where that scene was. Um, anyway, I want to tell you as well, actually, before I move on through the rest of Sept uh, August and into September, about some of the cool toys that came out in 1979, and there's loads of stuff. There was a Sonic-controlled land speeder 
and it looks absolutely awesome. I didn't have this. It's um, Luke and Obi Wan and R two D two and C three PO in the land in Luke's land speeder, and the remote control or the sonic controller is a little R two D two. Looks really cool. Also out. Um, actually, I think that was just available in JC Pennies. Uh, we don't get JC Pennies over here in the UK. Um, also out that year was a radio controlled Jawa sand crawler. Looks absolutely incredible. Two channel radio controlled sand crawler. Operates from up to six meters, six whole meters, and retails for about $30. So, this back in 1979 would have been like futuristic stuff. This <laughs> this would have been awesome. Imagine, imagine opening these on Christmas Day. Incredible. So, continuing August, then, August the 28th, there's a rap party held for um, Empire Strikes Back and they hold it on the Bog Planet because um, I'm gathering they haven't named it yet of course we know it as Dagobah uh, but they hold it on the Bog Planet and uh, they're having this party even though the film hasn't finished yet and Irvin Kirshner recalls it was a great party it was like Armistice Day, the war is over we have triumphed and like I say, it wasn't, they hadn't actually finished filming Empire Strikes Back because on September the 5th, Alec Guinness arrives on set and completes his shots within six hours. So he he, he rocks up. <laughs> he's, a, he's a professional. He's a professional as our Alec. And he does his uh, shots within six hours, having told the producers that wretched eye trouble might prevent him from working under bright lights. His participation in Empire had been uncertain, so they didn't even know if he was going to be able to do it or not. Glad he did. <clears throat> Guinness will receive one quarter of 1% of Empire's gross receipts. So he wasn't daft. I, I imagine that comes to a pretty penny. A pretty penny. So into November then, and the Empire Strikes Back theatrical advance one-sheet poster is distributed to US theatres, and what an absolute beauty it is too. The poster is designed by Tony Seiniger and David Renneric, who also developed that iconic tilting Empire logo. Also in November, John Williams begins composing the 108-minute musical score for Empire Strikes Back. Darth Vader's more significant role inspires Williams to write a grand imperial march for the villain's, villain's theme. And of course, the score is recorded with the London Symphony Orchestra in England over the course of two weeks. And it's an incredible uh, score, isn't it? It's probably the best, for me, it's the best out of all the Star Wars movies. And um, I just love it. I absolutely love it. When my wife was pregnant with my son, Zach, you, this is sad, I know, um, but we used to play the ending of that score from the movie to her bump. <laughs> Zach was in a bump. Um, we used to get all kinds of reactions from him. And when he was born, we would play it and it would soothe him. It was incredible to see. He recognised it. Um, and still, re he's two now and he still recognises it. So happy times and fond memories. Um, and into December, um, Alan Ladd Jr., who was so instrumental in getting the original movie made, leaves his position at Fox after Fox executives criticise him for the deal, which they had approved, granting Star Wars sequel and licensing rights to Lucasfilm. Ladd subsequently founds a new production house, The Ladd Company.
So before I head off, um, I will let you know, remember at the start I asked you to have a think about what the number one movie of 1979 was. It was, drum roll, Kramer versus Kramer. Brilliant movie. Um, so before I go as well, I'm just going to let you know that in 1979, uh, Saddam Hussein becomes president of Iraq. Pioneer 11 visits Saturn. Um, the hostage crisis at the Iranian embassy in London begins. Smallpox is eradicated and the USSR invades Afghanistan. And I'm going to leave you with this incredible thing which I found, which I did not know about until I was um, researching for this episode. And it is a, a public service announcement, a Star Wars themed Anti-drunk driving public service announcement is broadcast on television stations in association with the U.S. Department of Transportation and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. John Williams' cantina music plays while one Star Wars alien helps another move away from a bar. Um, I'm going to play it for you now. It's really quite incredible. The creature who's a bit worse for wear, shall we say, at the cantina bar is Muftak and he's led away by a buddy because um, he's obviously had one too many. But here it is. Have a listen. It's absolutely brilliant. And uh, thanks for listening. And I will catch you next time. Friends drink too much, even in galaxies far, far away. Friends don't let friends drive drunk. Napa know-how. Right now, a five-quart jug of Napa full synthetic motor oil and a platinum filter is just $23.98. That's a great deal for a great oil, which is another reason why this is the most wonderful time of the year. That's Napa Full Synthetic Oil and a Platinum Filter for $23.98. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa Know-How. Napa Know-How. General States pricing. Sales prices do not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. While supplies last. Offer ends 12-15-19. Napa Know-How. Right now, a five-quart jug of Napa Full Synthetic Motor Oil and a Platinum Filter is just $23.98. That's a great deal for a great oil, which is another reason why this is the most wonderful time of the year. That's Napa Full Synthetic Oil and a Platinum Filter for $23.98. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa Know-How. Napa Know-How. General States pricing. Sales prices do not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. While supplies last. Offer ends 12 15 19